This morning we continue our series of foundations, of laying the foundations. These foundations, of course, are the things that we believe, that we say we believe, that we are, uh, in, I'm encouraging us that I hope you actually do believe, but they're also called foundations for a specific reason because they are the things that we build our lives upon. That's the part yet to come, but the things that we build our lives upon to say, if this is what I believe, this is how I live my life. Today we're moving to the subject of creation. I want to begin this morning just by bringing us to the verse that maybe you could even say is, uh, is, is it could be just be a summary verse that we start with and, and maybe just say this is, this is where we're at on creation. Of course, you know me, we we're not just going to leave it with one verse because that would, well, that would get you out way too early and no one wants that. Right? No one wants that. Here's the verse. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, the great chapter of faith, we, uh, that is called, we call that the great chapter of faith, and uh, the very first among all the examples of faith is, applies to every one of us. Before he starts pointing out specific people that were full of faith that we should pattern our lives after, he says this. I'm sorry, I, I, I'm, I, I'm totally messing up this morning. We're not quite there yet. I'm reading, saying something I'm not reading my own screen. I want to make this statement first because I always read this first for you guys. I want to read it out of this book. Creation is a good and supernatural work of God, who is the creator of all things, visible and invisible. Creation is the explanation of the origin and existence of all things, including the material universe, the spiritual cosmos, and those beings by which free will, I, I, should, I got that wrong, and those beings which by free will rebelled against God and chose an attitude and condition of evil. Now again, like normal, that's a pretty big theological mouthful. In summary, I put up here, creation is the good and supernatural work of God. He created all things visible or invisible. That includes the material universe. That includes the spiritual, what we would call the cosmos, what's happening behind the scenes, the things we can't see. And that includes all those things, and now that's beginning to refer to us, by the way, those things by which by free will rebelled against God. This is an important step along the way. Let me just do a little bit of recap to sort of make sure that uh, as, we, as we're, we're, we're dialed in, we're, we're sort of zoomed in on things that we take a step back and say, I, I want to I see, make sure you know how all this stuff is fitting together. We began this series by focusing on what we believe about God, which I would tell you is the most, the single most important piece of all this. For this affects everything else. If you think about a foundation, what is in your foundation affects everything else above that, right? Doesn't matter how beautifully your house is built. Doesn't matter that you have the most expensive roof in town, that you spent millions on crafting this beautiful roof made of porcelain. If your foundation is not good, your house is not worth anything. So the most important thing we began with was this understanding or this belief of this is who God is. We talked about God the Father, we talked about Jesus the Son, and we talked about the Holy Spirit. We then last week laid a foundation on top of that and said, we believe very critically, very importantly, we had to work this in, that everything else that's coming after this comes out of the Bible. Now, I've been using the Bible all along up to that point, but I got to the place where I had to tell you, this is why I'm using the Bible. Remember, we said, this is what we have in the Bible represents or is, the, is, the, uh, is what we have of God's spoken word, the record of God's spoken word, what he said audibly through people, and the incarnate word, that's Jesus, the manifestation of God in flesh. All of that is contained in here, which is why this is the living, breathing word of God that we cling to and build our lives upon, because it represents all those things. Just really quickly, because this is going to be important for the rest of the series, 
We talked about at the end of last week that when we read the Bible, these are the things that it teaches us. It teaches us who God is. It teaches us who we are. Both very, very important. We're gonna, this, honestly, the rest of our study is, is this kind of stuff right here. Who God is and who we are and what God has done for us and what God wants from us. Does that make sense? When you read scripture, you should read it that way, by the way. You should see, what is this telling me about God? What is this telling me about me or about us? Anytime you're reading about humans, by the way, we have this tendency, ever notice this? We have this tendency that we think that we, what we observe in other humans is maybe true for them, but not for us. Like we're somehow different than them. We do this all the time, by the way. We in the church are especially guilty of it. For we have this, this prideful notion that those awful people out there, if they could just get their stuff together and be as smart and as obedient to God and as cool as I am, that's probably not the right word, but that's kind of how we think about ourselves sometimes. We somehow think that when we're reading about all the awful people in God's word, that we're exempt from that. That doesn't apply to me. Clearly, they don't have it together, but... So the Bible tells us who we are. It tells us what God has done for us. When you're reading the word, you want to see what has God done for me, for all of us, and... What does he want from me? I challenged you last week, and I would just say it again. I think you can probably look at just about every passage of Scripture, certainly every book of the Bible, but even every passage of Scripture, and find one of those things operating, many of them simultaneously, by the way, but at least one of those things operating as to what is instructing you from God's spoken word or the description of his incarnate word for what he has, which is why that's the next layer of the foundation. And on top of that today, now we're going to build, we're going to say, if this is who God is, and if this is what the Bible has to say, everything else is going to come out of this now, and we're going to start with the next important piece. And I'll tell you today why creation is the next important piece, by the way. You may just say, well, we, we should talk about creation, and, but it actually is important that it comes first. Now think about that for a second. It makes pretty obvious sense, right? Because what came first, like in actuality, like in our scope of time, what came first? <laughs> well, I mean, had to come first, right? By the very definition, creation comes first. So it, it's also true for when we begin to understand who God is and who we are and what God has done for us and what he wants from us, we have to begin with this thought of creation. Now, finally, I got all excited when I got up here. Finally, we get to the verse that I really wanted to get, get started off with, and that's Hebrews 11, verse 3. By faith... We understand that the universe was created by the word of God. By faith, we understand that the universe, what, what, what is, what's the universe, by the way? Where's, where does the universe stop? <laughs> Where does the universe stop? It doesn't, right? Right? I mean, it, sure, you could say where God begins, but it doesn't, right? Did you know that? Did you know that the, the scientists say the universe is still expanding? It doesn't. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. In other words, the whole premise of this morning's message, and I want to say this very, very clearly, uh, I, we're going to get into some things that I believe about creation that some people may not believe about creation or that there's some differing theories about how that stuff works. The message is not really about that. I'm not here to tell you what you should believe specifically necessarily about creation, although I think I'll probably give you enough hints along the way to tell you how I, what I think about it, but I'm here to say the underlying foundational principle is the belief 
that the things that we see initially, originally came out of what was not seen by God's spoken word. That was where things began. So let's jump in. I kind of made my first point already, so I'm just going to get in there. Uh, When we talk about creation, creation is, I want to make sure we understand, it's the origin of things. And you may say, we just said that, but I want to clarify something just a little bit. There's this phrase, and we sometimes even use it, and maybe not even incorrectly. I'm just, I'm giving a lot of caveats here, but maybe not incorrectly, but we, we talk about how, how, how God created everything. And we just sort of give this blanket statement that God created everything. And I want to be a little careful with that, because it's a weapon sometimes used by those who oppose God against us. For they begin to say, well, that means, you know, evil is something, and so God created evil. Or this bad thing happened, so God created that, Right? Today, I want to make sure you understand that when we use the word creation as from a biblical worldview and we say it's the origin of things, we mean that everything that is visible, exactly what I just read, read in verse, 11, uh, verse 3 of chapter 11 of Hebrews, everything it originated, the source of it is God. It began. God began that. Clearly, I mean, I could give you a, sort of a, 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 a gimme example. Clearly, I look at this bench right here, right? Did God make that bench? No, some guy made that bench, right? A long time ago. But some guy made that. Sorry, that was unnecessary. But <laughs> scratch that from the record. Can you delete that off the tape? Some guy made that bench, right? But where did the materials come from? What was the origin of that bench? Somewhere, if you go far enough back, somewhere was a tree, right? Well, where did trees come? And you can trace this stuff. And every material you have in there, you can say somewhere, the, you break it down, and I'm not a scientist, but you break it down to the most, you know, smallest particles you possibly can, and they began somewhere, right? And God is that source. When we say he's the origin of things, that's what we talk about. And I should just get to these verses because I should read them. Genesis chapter 1, I've read them probably uh, at least half of the sessions we've had uh, on foundations already, which tells you how foundational it is to what we believe. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Very easy for us to understand that. It says, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. When it says the earth was formless and void, it was empty. There was nothing. This is hard for our minds to comprehend, and I'm not saying I have a perfect grasp on it, but in some way, God is eternal, right? He's never had a beginning, and he's not going to have an end. He's eternal. But what we are standing on or sitting on today did not always exist. It was nothing. And one day, God decided for us one day, you see how bound by time we are? That's the only words I can use. One day, it wasn't even a day yet. I mean, it didn't exist yet. But one day, God decided, and he spoke, and he formed out of nothing the earth, by his word. And as you're going to read, we're going to hear hear before long, we're going to sort of read through the creation account. We're not there yet. We're not going to get there yet necessarily. But the origin of things, the beginning of things, rests solely with God. And the second point I want to make, which I don't think anybody's going to argue with me about this, but it is worth underscoring that creation is the work of God. The origin of things. That is to say, in today's culture, this is a pretty major point. Maybe not so much with us here, although I shouldn't skip over it too lightly, for we have children who are being educated. And there's all kinds of theories out there. Our belief is that God is 
the originator, and it is his work, this work of creation. It did not slowly develop over time. That began with some one thing, and now over time it's something else. That's called evolution. We don't believe that where we are at came to existence, or we, in fact, came to existence, or that things came to existence by evolving over a long period of time and went from one thing to something else. That's not what the Bible tells us. That's not what our, our theology is. We believe that creation is the work of God. He did it. In fact, I didn't say it in this part, but he did it supernaturally. He spoke and it existed. Now, just to, just to clarify, I could, have picked, I could have picked lots and lots of verses. There's lots of verses. I mean, the Bible, this is how foundational it is. The Bible is filled with references back over and over again to the creation to God's creation, to the fact that God created. But I just picked a smattering of them for us this morning. So we're going to do what we often do. You guys have a handout, by the way, if you didn't catch on to this already. It's on the backside of your, hand, of, your, of your bulletin. If you'd like to follow along that way, I have all my references there. We're going to do what I often do and uh, just sort of get some participation from you to make sure we're tracking along. So I have about four references there that I'd like someone to read. So we're just going to take them. Uh, there's no reason for doing this, but we're going to take them chronologically. So we're going to uh, just begin. I want someone to look up Exodus chapter 20, verse 11. This is where God is giving what we call today the Ten Commandments to Moses. He's saying, here's how I want you to live your life. And in the midst of giving one specific commandment, he says this. So someone find Exodus chapter 20, verse 11. When you have it, I'd like you to read it out loud in a nice and clear voice so we can all understand you. If it helps you to stand up, you can do that, but you don't have to stand up. It's up to you. And holiday, made it holy, right? Yeah. So now in the specific commands, just, just we're going to be interactive here. So what's the specific command God is giving to Moses, part of the Ten Commandments? What, what's his command? What's he talking about? What's the, what's the whole command about? Honoring the Sabbath, right? Keeping the Sabbath holy. And his reason for it, he gives in that verse that Carol just read. The reason is what? Why should we honor the Sabbath? What's the point of honoring the Sabbath? He rested. After what? Notice, God by himself, when he's talking to Moses and gives him the justification, the reason for why we need a day of rest, he said, I'll tell you why you need it, and I'll show you. I illustrated it because in six days, I created the heavens and the earth. He just told Moses and tells the rest of us, because it's recorded in God's word, that he was the, it's, creation is his work. In six days, he created, uh, he created the heavens and the earth, and then he rested, which is why we should rest. By the way, I told you I'd give you a few hints along the way. That is one of the reasons why I believe in a literal six-day creation, because God looked at that when he said, here's the Sabbath day, keep it holy, and he says, hey, by the way, I created it in six days. I, I mean, you could probably find some ways around that, I suppose, but to me, it seems pretty obvious if God says I created it in six days that he was not talking about six indeterminate periods of time or six vague who knows what happened kinds of things he said i created six days and by that point by the way they knew what days were right they knew what days were all right let's go to the next one what's the next one isaiah chapter 45 verses 11 and 12 someone look that up and read it out nice and loud for us isaiah 45 11 and 12 By the way, if you really want to read, I know you're all dying to read. If you really want to read, you can look ahead where the next reference is and you can look it up. This is what the Lord 
Listen to that. Now, I'm ripping verses out of context. So the hymn it's referring to, he's talking to Isaiah about this man named Cyrus, who is not a Jewish person, and he's going to use Cyrus to bring judgment to the nation of Israel. And Isaiah protests a bit because he says, God, that doesn't make sense, right? Kind of like a couple weeks ago last week in Habakkuk when Habakkuk asked the same question. Why would you use someone who's ungodly? And God's answer back is, you're going to question who I make and who I use? I made the heavens and the earth. By my wisdom, I stretched out the heavens. You want to come and ask me some questions? Right? By the way, I don't at all think it's wrong for you to come to God and ask him questions. I think it's very good, in fact, because there's lots of things that I don't understand. There's lots of things you don't know. I hope that's not a surprise to you. There's a lot of things you don't know. Go to God and ask questions. Just know that when you... When you persist in asking some questions, he may answer them with that way sometimes to say, listen, we have a little different pay scale here, right? We have a little different authorization clearance here, right? Like, you don't understand something, but I created the heavens and the earth, everything, the starry host. You're going to ask me why it works this way? Happened. I could have have read you several chapters from the book of Job this morning. Same concept. God once again saying, I'm the one that made heaven and earth. Everything you see comes that came out of nothing. I made it. All right, let's do the next one. Jeremiah chapter 10, verses 10 through 12. It is who? Who did that? He. God did. There and over and over again in Scripture, even in the New Testament, Paul uses this. Over and over again, it is the thing that distinguishes God, the true God, from all the false gods that we as humans have liked to trot out. Oh, but none of your gods created the earth. None of your gods created the heavens. But God did. It is the distinguishing, one of the ones that's most prevalent through Scripture, the distinguishing mark between the true God and every false God that wants to rear its ugly head. Let's go to the New Testament. Actually, this is in John's Revelation, Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. This is the scene that John saw around the throne and the, and the, and the, uh, the, the seraphim, and they were there, and the, and the 24 elders were falling down and worshiping. And every time this happened, this is what they said. This is what they were praising God for in John's Revelation. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. Go ahead, Irvin. But chief among those reasons, the first one mentioned in John's revelation for the reason that God is worthy and will be worshipped for all eternity is because he created the heavens and the earth. And for his pleasure they were created. I was trying to wrestle with this week how to bring something tangible to the great difference we still see. You see, when I look at the... When I look at the earth, like, it seems really immovable, right? Like, it seems really solid. Like, I mean, it's like bigger than I can even really conceptualize. I can't, I can, I realize I'm flying around the, the earth when I'm going to India, but I, I still don't really, I can't really grasp how huge it is and how, it seems like this, and I was trying to conceptualize how to, or trying to, I was wrestling with how to conceptualize, like, 
how solid the earth is and yet how there's such a vast discrepancy still between God and his creation. I thought of when I was a little kid, I don't know if my dad remembers this or not, but I thought of when I was a little kid that I used to play this game with him. Um, I don't know how often we did it, but it, I, it used to be fun for me to try to, put, to push him, to move him. And of course, uh, when I was a little kid and he was my dad, I mean, most little kids know this, right? Like, dad's pretty much immovable. I, like, I would try and I would push and push. It'd never work. I thought about recreating it this morning, by the way, but the dynamics have changed a bit, so... <laughs> But I did wonder, I asked Mitch if he'd be willing to help me. Mitch, you want to come up here? <laughs> not, not for me, because I want, to, I, want to, I, want to, I want to illustrate what this is like. No, actually, where did my, I was going to use Silas. I don't, I don't know, where, where did Silas go? Is he there? He's, Silas, you should be sitting up. Uh-oh, I'm going to call him out here. Come here, Silas. So I wanted to try to illustrate this a little bit. This is about like what I felt like, by the way, as a kid. Silas, I want to see if you can push Mitch. Like, I want you to move him, like, 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 push. <laughs> Is that all the harder you can push? Here, these guys are, hold on, these guys are getting blocked. Why don't you come over here and try it over here? Maybe when you're over here, you don't have such, you're not so immovable. Push him hard, hard. That's about how I felt. That's sometimes what I think about the earth, right? It's immovable. Listen, hang on, stay right here. Hang on, guys. Let me read these verses to you. I don't know if you know these verses exist. Psalm 102. Of old you laid the foundation, you being God, of course. Of old you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are your work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe, and they will pass away. But you are the same, and your years have no end. As immovable as we think creation is, as we think this earth is, this globe is, about as much as this guy has a chance of moving him around. And yet, God says, the psalmist recognized, that God says the day is coming when what we stand on and feel like is so secure is going to be rolled up like a garment and tossed. It will not endure, and even that is nowhere close to the eternal nature of God who will not pass away, who will not be destroyed. Thanks, guys. You can go sit down. God's creation is incredible, but I have to tell you again, all the way through, we might have to come back to this. As incredible as God's creation is, God is so much more majestic and incredible. I'm telling you, this is the foundation of our belief. If we don't begin here, so many things that we're going to get to up here are completely out of whack. Are you convinced that as amazing as creation is, it comes nowhere close to the majesty and the longevity and the power and the might and the awesomeness of God himself? I thought this morning it would be interesting since we're talking about creation, we should probably at least address chapter one of Genesis because it tells us how God created. And I was thinking we might, I might lead us through just seeing from memory how much we can, uh, uh, we can recall how creation went, which would be a great exercise. But I actually discovered over the weekend, 
I'm so glad the Lord worked this out. I didn't know this. But I discovered the weekend that as I think about remembering things, that uh, Ernie has actually memorized Genesis chapter 1. And I thought maybe instead of me reading it or us just sort of putting it together, I'd like to just have him say it for us. So, Ernie, do you mind coming up here and uh, just telling us what Genesis chapter 1 says? This is the account of creation. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. And God said, let the waters under heaven be gathered together in one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called he seas. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together in one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters called he seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and the herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit whose seed is in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years, and let them be for lights in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. And God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales, and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth after his kind, and it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind and cattle after their kind and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And God said, 
Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed, to you it shall be for meat. And to every beast of the earth, and every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Oops, muted myself, sorry. When I found out that Ernie had this memorized, I threatened to not show up today and just have him come (laughs) recite it for you. And Man, I kind of wish I would have done that, except I wanted to be here. By the way, children, this is why we do Bible quizzing. Put the word of God in there where it can come back out and be instructive. He stopped. I asked him to stop because I wanted to read the next part here. Chapter 2 begins this way. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished. All morning long we've been talking about the work of God. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now, to get us ready for the final point I want to make this morning, which really sets us up for the rest of where we're going to go with a lot of this, a lot of this series here, I want to ask you some questions. As you were listening to Ernie, as you know in your head about the creation account, there are a couple of phrases. There's more than one, by the way. There's several phrases that are repeated throughout the creation account. Can you name some of them? All right. One is God saw that it was good. Can you name some other ones, by the way? And there was evening and there was morning. By the way, another reason why I believe in a literal six-day creation, because it's Why else put that detail in there? You wouldn't have to put it in, right? You wouldn't have to specify that a day happened. You wouldn't have to say there was evening and there was morning. But every single day of creation comes with, and there was evening and there was morning. There's another phrase. It's maybe a little bit harder to tease out, but there's another phrase that really is central to what we're talking about today. And follow it up. And God said, and then it was so. Thank you, Laverne. And God said, dot, 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 dot. And it was so. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, this is the bedrock, the foundation of our belief about creation. Not only about creation, though. It is the bedrock or the foundation for our very hope. It rests on the fact that God said and that we know it is so. It will be so. Think about every promise you cling to for what God has already done for you. It is true because you believe that God said it and that for it's so. Think about every promise that you are still looking forward to. You cling to that and you believe it because you believe that God said it 
and it was so. All of that comes together in our belief of creation. It begins, that's why it's the origin, it begins with that, that God said and it was so. Now, I want to make my final point because actually it's not that one. It's the fact that when God created, it was good. This is foundational to our belief about who God is and who we are and what is necessary that God did for us and what God wants from us. That when God created, it was good. He did not make any mistakes. He did not make anything that was kind of good. In fact, at the very end of that, I'll just put the verse up there. Ernie quoted it, the very last verse of Genesis chapter 1. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was, every other time was good, right? When he looked back all of it, it was very good, exceedingly good, abundant. It was beyond he saw it and he was pleased. I made a reference earlier to the fact that people sometimes say, well, that means God must have created evil. And I think we have to reject that. That is not our theology. We're going to build on this. We're going to get to it. Next week, in fact, next week, we're going to cover our theology of man. And we're going to understand that when God created some of his creatures with free will, that evil is an attitude that we chose. Very, very important. Can I say it to you again? It is critical. I, will, I won't back away from this. It is critical for us to have a proper understanding of both the need for salvation and the fact that salvation happened to understand that when God created things, they were good. If we don't understand that, we undermine the very necessity that we must be saved. Because we can somehow find room in there to say that God made a mistake. Or to say that I don't really need it. This is why this is found, this is why we're, we're building blocks. This is why creation came next. Once again, we're going to close just with the verse that I began with because, it was, again, it was a summary to start with. It's a summary to, be, to end. By faith, this is our belief. By the way, I just want to be upfront. I, I, I hinted at this. There are very sincere, very well-meaning, I would probably even say, I would say, not probably, I would say authentic Christians who don't agree with everything I just said this morning about how creation actually worked, like particularly the six-day creation. The message was not about that. I just want to make sure that uh, I want to come back to this verse because I think this is what is necessary, that we believe by faith, God's word makes it very clear, that he created the heavens and the earth by his word. He spoke them and they existed as they are. Like they, 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 they were formed right then. It wasn't like he said, hey, let's have this happen. And then it slowly over time developed and we began to see bigger and bigger blobs and then finally trees and then finally what's some other life form. And fin- I don't know, whatever. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. Everything that we see now came at one point from something that was not visible. Pray with me if you would. God, thank you so much. Once again, I'm left in the place where uh, <laughs> it's quite possible that I missed some things or quite possible I misspoke some things or just maybe said something. That I, I, God, I, 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 I'm, such a, I'm such a weak human vessel that you choose to speak through and I'm so grateful you do. I again just beg of you, Father, you know how to make right the things that I did wrong. Strike them from our minds if I said it incorrectly. Bring someone to correct me if I need to make correction for it, and I want to do so.
but we want to by faith believe, as your word says. You spoke and things came into existence. It is your good work, your supernatural work, your amazing, incredible work. And it points to really how amazing, incredible you are. And when you did it, it was good. We're getting ready for it, God, but we have to approach the un- just the, the unavoidable, the unfortunate, but the unavoidable admission, knowledge, agreement, belief that the pain and the suffering and the twisting and the, the, all those things were the fact that some of those things that you created, some of those creatures that you created, you gave them free will and they chose to be evil. They chose to walk away. They chose to disobey you. They chose to sin against you. God, thank you. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you stand this morning? I want to dismiss you with just a blessing. The same powerful God that spoke the creation into existence desires to have a personal relationship with you and has made it possible through Jesus Christ and has made it effective through the Holy Spirit. So my blessing for you today is simply that you would receive what Christ has done and allow the Holy Spirit to fill your life and direct you that you may have this incredible relationship with this amazing God. He has done all things good. Go in peace today.